Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So last week we started a new series called The Life We Live, The Lies We Believe. And so uh, we're taking a little bit of context from Romans chapter 12. We're taking the idea that what Paul tells us about to renew our minds. So I'll put this on the screen for you from Romans 12 too. It says that we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do we do this? So you might prove what is that good or that will, you might prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So what we're saying is don't be conformed, but be transformed. The world is always trying to conform you to what it wants. And we call it this way. I'm not trying to get too ooky on your spooky, but this it is near Halloween. So I'm just saying like, you know, you've probably seen enough of it anyway. But the reality is take all that for what it is and just throw that out for a moment. Take some real spiritual things. The world there is what we would call the spirit of the world. Some of the writers in, in, in your Bible call this the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of the world. There's a real spirit at work. You don't have to be a Christian to see, you know, man, what moves someone and motivates people to go and just mow down with machine guns and rockets people that have nothing to do with their cause? That is simply, and you say, well, they were on drugs. Okay, well, in your Bible, the Bible's very clear. If you get on drugs, you open up the door to the demonic. So either way you want to call it, there you go. Uh, and I'm just saying, and if you've ever been, you, God can redeem you and set you free from that. But the point is, that's a real thing. So the world's constantly trying to conform you to what? Its ways, its wants, the spirit of the world. So God says, if you don't want to be like that, what do you have to do? You have to be transformed. That means then uh, you can be conformed to the world, even as a believer. We want to transform our thinking by how? Renewing our minds with God's word. That's the only way you can change is by God's word. You've got to renew your mind with God's word. And so today, I want to talk about this thing that the world puts out, is that you and I should, especially in our country, we, we are much more about this than others because of kind of how it's the American dream kind of thing that there's a good and a bad to it. There's a good that you ought to be able to do things and, 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 and lead your life and, and provide and, you know, have a dream. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that as long as God's in it, you know. But there comes a line where it goes past an American dream to now it's like I can't have enough. It's like where is the line? What stops it, right? So this idea that says, you know, I should have it all. Why, why can't I have it all? I mean, America says I can have it all. Why can't I? And I'm not saying you shouldn't strive and have goals and those kind of things, but, you know, if you can get so far that you start acting like this character. If you remember this character in this movie called, now I know there's a new one called Charlie and the Chocolate, I think it's stupid, it was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's the original movie with Gene Wilder, that's the one I saw growing up. Like, they changed it and now it's Charlie's Chocolate. No, it was Willy Wonka's first. Let's quit trying to be so... Oh, we don't hurt Charlie's feelings. Well, Charlie's a goofball, okay? Willy Wonka was cool. He had that cool purple, remember, big top hat, crazy hair coming out. Funny movie, but there was this character in Willy Wonka, and she's in both. Her name was Veruca Salt. Not the band of the 90s, the little grunge band that came along. They were good, too. But, like, I mean, oh, some of y'all heard them, too, huh? Okay, well, my girls my girls be proud that y'all actually know who that was. And so... 
they weren't that big, but I guess they were big enough for y'all, huh? All right. So, so, but not them, but this little girl named Veruca Salt, and I was going to show you a clip, but I, it's too much copyright to deal with, so I didn't want to fool it. It takes too much time for all that. So, but Veruca, you know, she had this issue. She had everything, but she wanted the golden egg from the geese. She wanted one of those, you know, the geese that would lay the golden egg. That's what she wanted. And I don't want it. And she's stomping her feet. She's like a little 13, stomping her feet, getting mad. Her dad's like, well, I'll get you one. I'll get you one. I'll get you one. But Willie's like, yeah, man, you can't have one. Oh, come on. Walk. I'll pay for it. How much is it? And he's like, I'm sorry. They're not for sale. He looked like that's the first time anyone ever told him no. I can't just write a check. No. She's freaking out because she doesn't understand. Her daddy's always giving her everything. Why is he withholding? Why can't he make this happen? And we've always, we've all probably met someone like this in our life. Hopefully they were young and they weren't like an adult. But you know what I'm saying? Like hopefully we've all been there at some time where we wanted something. And we probably have all pitched a, a tantrum. But this girl from, from Willy Wonka, you know, the idea for her, she is depicted, and I wrote this down. This is from uh, Ronald Dahl's descriptive of her. She is depicted as an immature, overindulged, and manipulative young girl. Now, there was a little boy that had a cowboy hat. He was about the same, okay? So they're not picking on girls here, boys. You know, they, they, they were very fair. You know, they had two little spoiled brats in the movie, okay? So she is the second golden ticket winner. Watch this. Even though she doesn't actually find it herself. And the third child to meet her end game in the factory. It says this, that she has a very rich parents and she lives in a mansion. Veruca's affluent parents treat her like a princess, give her anything she wants, no matter how ridiculous the price. And she's also shown to express no gratitude for all that she has given. Now, th- again, there's nothing wrong with having good things, nothing wrong with having blessings from God. But th- th- here's the idea. The world, if you let it, will turn you into a little Veruca salt. It will. The spirit of this world, it wants to put you in a place where you think you have to have so much that you can't, it, until you get there, it's not, you're never satisfied, right? But the reality is, what happens when you do get there? Now, I'll be honest. Is it okay if I be really honest with you this morning? Are, are you going to be okay if I be really honest with you? Like, this is real, like, true stuff, like, full-on transparency. Like, you might look at me different after I tell you this. I got your attention now, right? <laughs> well, really? All right, this happens in churches too. Like, I know what it's like to push, to drive, to have a goal. Nothing wrong with a goal, but to have something and then get there and go, well, well now what? Oh, man, we reached a bunch of people, did this, did that. Well, now what do I do? It's kind of weird feeling, isn't it? Now, that's being, that's with the church. Now listen, I think God would honor, but there even in that, there gets a point where if you're just doing it to do it, to fill seats and do this and do that and just to be, there's something wrong with that. So full transparency, like I'm just being real. You still, you still love me? Like, you know, kind of like, oh, man, wow. I mean, look, man, I'm a top A personality. You know, if you put me over there to build something, I'm going to go all in. If we're going to race out there, even though I haven't raced in a long time, I'm going to w- race to win. I'm not going to sit there and watch you just kind of stretch for a minute. If you're going to run, I'm going to run with you. Like, I'm, not, I'm very competitive, okay? It's just part of my wiring. But I will tell you, I've done it before where, man, we do this. Well, if we get enough people here, if we do this, we'll have this big event. And this will, at some point though, when you do that and you get to the top of the mountain, you stop, you look around and go, Amen. 
wait a minute, now what do I do? Like, I've often wondered why, like I told my girls, they were asking about bucket lists. You guys got bucket lists? You all have some? You should have a few things, like some, there's nothing wrong with having goals and things like that. You should have, so one of mine as a kid, always, I always thought it was so cool to climb Mount Everest. I thought it would be the funnest thing ever. Like, cause you know, seeing that stuff, reading about it, I don't know, I'm, I'm weird like that. I also think, thought the Titanic was cool. I always want to go down and see that too. After seeing that whole deal with those, that last, <laughs> no, I decided, you know what? I'm good with the pictures for that. The more I see about Mount Everest though, the more I realize my kids were saying, oh, that's cool, dad, you can do it. I said, well, now I think that, that ship sailed for, for Everest too. And they're like, why dad, you can do it? Yeah. You know, I saw one of those movies on that, too, and, uh, <laughs> yo, man, like, people die all the time up there. Like, they still buried, I mean, they don't even bring you back. They just leave you up there in your boots and all. They actually got one guy, bless his heart, he died up there. His name's Green Boots. It's just because he had green boots on. I mean, I'm saying, that's his name. It's a marker up going up the mountain. You see Green Boots, you're like, oh, I know I don't got so much longer to go. It's terrible, but there are markers everywhere of people that are just dead. My kid's like... There's dead people there? Honey, they're everywhere. They can't even find some of them. They look at me like, well, maybe, you know, you shouldn't kind of thing. But I always wanted to do that. I thought it'd be fun, you know. But what would happen if you did climb Mount Everest? Listen, this is a guy of the day that does this free soloing. You know, you ever heard of this guy? His name is, uh, I forget his name. I call him crazy is what I call him. He does it with no ropes. Climb the slab of granite in Yosemite Park called El Capitan. <sighs> it just makes my hands sweat and hurt watching him do that. No ropes, straight up a slab of granite. If you don't know what that's like, that's like you trying to climb sheetrock. It ain't happening. I'm just sorry. I don't think any of you guys can do that. I love you, but I, and that's not a lack of faith. I just doubt very seriously any of you can climb the side of that wall right there. This guy's like Spider-Man. He, he just, because he trained for it and do, he did it. I don't think it was very wise, but he did it. But I wonder what he thought after he's done it. Now I've heard him do interviews. And I've actually heard him say, well, you know, I probably won't do something like that again. Kind of hit him, you know, I think, yeah, right. It kind of hit him like, logically, that wasn't smart. But what happens when you get to the top of a mountain? Whatever it is in your life, it doesn't matter, man, whatever you're doing. So you achieve this, you sell that, you get this, you, whatever. When you get to that moment, and you go, now what? It's a weird feeling. And so I want to share with you a little bit about this. So in Proverbs 24, 3, there's nothing wrong being, I just want you to hear there's nothing wrong being blessed. I'll show you a scripture right here. Understand the Lord blesses. He is faithful. He blesses. He wants to abound in your life in a mighty way. And his blessing, though, adds no sorrow to it. None. But this is what Proverbs 24, 3 says. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with what? All precious and pleasant riches. God says, man, if you'll follow me, if you'll renew your mind to my way, I will bless you. And I won't add any sorrow to it. I'll bless you. I'll bless your kids. I'll bless your family. I'll make you a blessing to other people. Just don't let the world turn you into Baruka salt, right? But anytime we believe more like the world does... It leads us down a road that's much like this character I want to read a story to you about in, in the Old Testament named Balaam. I'm going to read you about a chapter of Scripture and then share just a, briefly about this man. But his name is Balaam. Balaam, maybe is how you would pronounce it. But I'll read it to you from Numbers 22 and verse 2. I'll put it on the screen. 
I would encourage you to go back because there's a lot more in this uh, story that you could read. I just don't have time to get into all of his details, but I encourage you to go back and read about him. He's a very interesting guy. I want to give you a little backdrop. Um, Maybe I'll just do this as I read because it'll take longer. So let me just read this. Numbers 22 and verse 2. Uh, It says, now Balak, the son of Zippor, this was a a different character. This guy was a leader. He's, you know, in charge of a certain area, not of Israel. He said it was the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So now they've seen Israel have great victory. So Moab was in great fear because of the people, for they were numerous. Now, this is what I'm praying for right now. That the people, these terrorists that keep creating all these evil plans. Notice I didn't say all the Palestinians. The thing is people have to understand is, again, I will tell you, there are Palestinians who love the Lord. There are some Christians there. And they, through a political issue, they're in a situation they can't fix either. That doesn't mean, though, that all these terrorists are, are a part of their group. And it certainly doesn't mean that all those guys are a part of their group. It's a, it's a very difficult situation. My prayer, though, is this. My prayer is that, that they would see the numbers of Israel, that they would get to the point where they become very afraid. And they would stop. And they could do that through methods that you'll see in this story as well. But anyway, it says, now, Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this horde will lick, us up, will lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass in the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of Moab at the time. So he sent messengers to Balaam. This is the guy I want you to hear. Balaam is the character. This guy is Balak. It was the king. Don't get him confused, okay? But anyway, he was the son of Beor. At Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, a people came out of Egypt. Now they've seen them rise up out of slavery and bondage. They've seen the Lord deliver them in a great mighty way. They're seeing what is taking place. So now he's afraid. Behold, they cover the surface of the land and they are living opposite me. Now why couldn't you why do you think he just didn't say, Hey guys, that's pretty cool what your God is different. I've never seen anything like that. Um, are you here to make war or is there going to be peace? Like, what can we expect? Why not just come in and just try to work out some kind of a moment there? Why does it have to be all of a sudden, let's go the evil side of things? Baruch assault. He wanted everything. He had everything. And all of a sudden he's in fear because he's afraid he's going to lose it. See, when you work so hard to get something on your own, then you become afraid you're going to lose it. If God gives it to you, you don't have to worry about it because if God puts it in your hands, no man can take it from you. You understand what I'm saying? When the Lord blesses, you don't have to worry. But if you did it all, then you better worry because you know what? You know, we aren't, none of us that smart. So anyway, he says, Behold, the people came out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the surface of the land and now they're living opposite me. Now, therefore, please come and curse this people. And remember what in Genesis, what the Lord said, I will bless you, Abram. And I'm going to bless those who bless you, but I will curse those who curse you. You can't look at God as like a genie in the bottle. You mess with his people. I'm just telling you. I learned this a long, long time ago as a kid. Before I ever had faith in Christ, I read about these stories. And I just figured, don't mess with them. If you can't give to them, if you can't bless them, just say good things about them. But I would not pick a side against them at all. So he says... He wants them to curse this people, though, because they're too mighty for me. 
Perhaps I might be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, you know, if you curse them. Now, this is what gets interesting. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Talking about Balaam. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination. Now, this word divination, you understand, is not a good word. This is not a biblical terminology that we use in prayer. We don't do divination. We pray. We, we call upon the name of the Lord. Divination, though, apparently he was good enough and had dabbled in this stuff enough that he was having access in spiritual things and getting things done. You may think there's no such thing and all this stuff. Oh, it's just Halloween and there's witches and that's just cute. <laughs> there's real people that mess with this junk. And they dabble in it enough, they do get some momentum and they get some things to happen. Why do you think they keep doing it? That's why people are so enamored by these psychics and stuff. They get, oh, well, they told me my birthday. Well, duh. There's evil spirits that know when you were born. They can give that. We call them familiar spirits. They're in the Bible. They tell things. They give information. You go, oh, they told me my birthday. Wow. I mean, don't be amazed by that. This guy, apparently, he messed in it so much, he could move some things here and there. So much so, they paid him for his divination. So, I, I don't want to get too far, but i, I got to explain this now. So, my opinion and my view of this individual, it was, he was not a prophet of God. I just don't see it because I don't see how God said, look, you, you can't serve God in Baal. Pick a side. I don't see how you, but I know by reading some of this, you go, well, it looks like though God's speaking to him. Well, that would have happened in those times too. It, it's very common. You, many times people, just because they were in sin, doesn't mean the Lord didn't try to intervene and help them. You know, that, but it's their choice. Anyway, so it says they came to Balaam and reported his words. And, and Balaam says to them, well, spend the night here and I will bring back word to you as the Lord, see if the Lord may speak to me. And the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, he sent word to me. Behold, there's a people who came out of Egypt, and they cover the surface of the land. Now come and curse them for me. Perhaps I might be able to fight against them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Done. That was God's word to him. So he leaves there and he rises up in the morning and says to Balak's leaders, go back into your land for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. The leaders of Moab arose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. So then Balak again sent leaders more numerous and more distinguished than the former. <laughs> I like that. They came to Balaam and said to him, thus Balak, the son of Zippor, let nothing I beg you hinder from coming to me for I will indeed honor you richly and will do whatever you say to me. So it went from base fee of divination, here's my base fee, $99.95, I'll get you a spirit and do this. <laughs> to all of a sudden he said no because the Lord spoke to him and said you better leave him alone. But now he's pulling the purse strings a little more saying like, hey, if you'll sign a three-year deal, come play with us and we'll hook you up there, Balaam. Well, now maybe I can go talk to you a little bit. Remember, he's dabbled in enough stuff, he's made things move. Maybe he's thinking he can move God. Like he's moved other things, right? So he says, I'll, our, Balaam says to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could do nothing, either small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord my God. Now this is interesting. I think just like the Lord can speak in a moment through something else, 
I think the Lord spoke through him. You have to understand when Jesus was crucified, Caiaphas, the high priest at the time, he prophesied about the Messiah, though he also wanted to crucify the Messiah. You have to understand this. God can and will speak through people sometimes, even if they're not his own, because he's trying to do something in the earth. That's why I tell you, like, I know, I know some of you, I, I would dare say probably mo- aren't a fan of the current administration and president. That's fine. It's your choice. That's fine. I don't agree with a lot of stuff he says either. But you have to be careful and spiritually discern enough when the leader of a nation says, we stand with it. I know he may give money to the other people. Put that aside for a minute. When he stands in that office, he is a, a, he's anointed not as a king, but he in our nation is a leader. And when he said that to me, man, that made my heart sing. Because it wasn't him talking. All these people, they transcribe things. I was like, well, maybe we should say this so it sounds good. Maybe we'll do this because it'll appease people. I don't care what they did. I'm just glad he said it. Because sitting behind our pulpit in our nation says to me, then God still wants to bless our nation. I know maybe whatever. you got to be spiritual enough to, to see, though, what that meant for our nation. It doesn't matter if you like him. Thank God he said it because he could have said, you're wrong and you should stop it and we're going to help this side. And God help us all if he had done it. You understand what I'm saying, right? So just because someone says something and they're not of God doesn't mean God can't say, well, I'm going to move through that. Okay, y'all got what I'm saying. Okay, let's, let's keep on. I got to move on through this, this story here, okay? So he says, man, if you give me everything, I can't. Go against the command of the Lord my God. I think the Lord was saying to him right there, you better stop. I'm telling you right now. But now please stay here tonight and I'll find out what else the Lord says to me. He just said he couldn't. But he's like, now he's back in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? He's like, so God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you shall you do. So, so you understand this guy's having a hard time with this. God is telling him, told him, that's enough. But Veruca Salt kicks in and says, I want it, I want it, I want it. Yeah? So that's what he's going for. But God's already said no. Now, you may not have ever done this before, but you probably had a kid or seen a kid. We've had, ours all have done this at one point. Where they think because you feed them that you're obligated to give them everything else in life. No, my obligation is to feed and clothe you and provide a home for you. Biblically, that's all I'm supposed to do. I can leave you an inheritance, but it doesn't tell me how much. I put $5 in the bank and there you go. You better get your junk together. Mess with me, right? You see what I'm saying? You're called to give food and shelter and provide clothing to the child. But here in America, there are plenty of opportunities. I'm not obligated to give them everything they want. And when you do, it's like they just fall on the floor. Like when they're, it's when they're, so when they get older, they, they push a little tubes differently. But you know, when they're little, they, they just, I mean, they've all done it. Why, why can't I have ice cream at 12 o'clock? And I, Cause we not eating, you going to bed. Bap! <laughs> then they flip over this side. <laughs> you know, it's just chaos. A little Veruca comes out. We've all been there, but if you said no, you said no. That's it. Let them flip and foam at the mouth and, you know, go crazy. 
I, felt, I used to think, oh, my God, they're going to hurt themselves. But then I realized, man, when they got done, they're exhausted from it. Uh, you done now? Because we're still going to bed. So, like, you should stop all that. Like, you're just going to make yourself go crazy here. Because you said no, but God says no. And sometimes we think, because we have all done this, we have given in to our kids before when they've said, well, come on, can I please, Daddy? Can I? We've all done that. And we think because we do that, that he does that. But he does not do that. When God speaks a thing, when he decrees a thing, when he declares a thing, let me tell you something right now, you better bank on it. He's not going to change. You're not going to convince him, no matter how much Veruca comes out, to change. He won't change. So he says, I'm going to see what he says, though. All right. <laughs> he says, but, but, but so, so Balaam arose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the leaders of Moab. So, verse 22, this is interesting. But now God's angry because he was going, but God told him to go. I think it's because, again, I think he was dabbling in so much stuff. He's not a prophet of God. He can tap in some stuff because he assumes God's just a God like all these other gods. But I think it's because the Lord speaks to him and shares him, tells him no. He's told him no, 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 no. And finally, because he's pitched a fit, he says, fine, why don't you go with him? That did it right there. It wasn't that he was angry because he went. He was angry before he went. The moment he said, fine, you, you know what? How about it then? You know what it's like. As a parent, all right, fine. You know what? You wanna, you're going to mess up? Fine. All right. I'll kill your phone plan. I'll take your internet. I will, you know, you, you, you just go into that mode, don't you? Of course you do. So I think God was angry because he was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now, this is interesting. Um, he's going Veruca on the Lord. But the Lord sent an angel and said, the angel's going to be in your way. Now, can I just, I don't have time to get into this in detail, but i just, for a moment. If the Lord said this, and that's what he's decreed and declared, and that's it. He, he's not going to back off of it. And you keep trying to go against what he said, watch this. There's something in your way. And maybe it's an angel, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the Lord just saying, uh-uh. It doesn't matter, whatever it is, I'm telling you. When he says this is what he's going to do, and you try to go against him, it, it won't work. And he says, this as he was going, he stood this angel in the way as an adversary against him. Now verse uh, 22, he says, now he was riding his donkey and his two servants with him. Verse 23. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, with his sword, with, with his sword in his hand drawn, the, the donkey turned off from the way and went into the field. But Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the way. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path of the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on the other. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself into the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Verse 26. So the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right or the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his stick. Now, before we get into this part here that everybody looks at and says, that's ridiculous. I just want to give you a little, I'm not a horse rider, but I have ridden horses. Y'all know the difference, right? Okay. I'm not a cowboy, but I have tried. <laughs> it's real cowboys don't try. They just do. They, they don't have to brag about it. They just are. I've been on a crazy horse. Flipping, bucking, threw me off. I've done the whole thing, right? I've seen it where nothing is there and a horse gets spooked. It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. A dog will sit there and look at you like, 
that's it. That's all he's going to do, right? I mean, a cat just looks around there kind of weird anyway. But a horse will hurt you. Not intentionally. It's not like they, 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 and I know this is a donkey, but I'm just telling you, I've, I've seen it before. It's very odd to me. It's almost like they know something is there. Whether it could be coyotes, it could be, I don't know what it could be. Maybe it's just the wind. They just get spooked real easy. And so don't think it odd that this donkey's picking up something, but this actually says it's seeing something. And at this next point, because of all this beating that Balaam has done to her, it says that the Lord opens the mouth of the donkey, and she says to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Then Balaam said to the donkey, This is the part that why I tell you, this brother's been messing with a lot of voodoo. Because it didn't flip him out that the donkey started talking. See, some of y'all just, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, it's like one of those scary movies. If that donkey would have started talking to me, no, 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 no. You, that would have been it. You know, right? You would not, you would not have started talking back to that donkey. This ain't your dog, ain't you a good little boy? Look at you. And you think that dog understands you. He doesn't understand. He just knows you feed him and you make his tail wag and he's just happy. This donkey is talking back, and this cat, he is talking with her. That's the part that lets me know he was in some serious stuff. Messing with voodoo, messing with, he had been in all kinds of things. So the donkey's talking back, and it says this, um, What have I done to you? You struck me these three times. So Balaam says to the donkey, because you have made a mockery of me. I mean, I don't know that that's the donkey doing that, but nonetheless... And this is what he said, if there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no. Well, then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. Now he's about to see what the donkey's been seeing. And he sees the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And then he bows all the way to the ground. And the angel of the Lord now says to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary because your way was contrary to me. Now, Joshua said it this way when he went out and he saw the the angel or the warrior of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. He sees him and Joshua says, are you either for us or against us? And the the angel says, I'm neither for nor against you. I'm, I'm not picking sides. I'm with the Lord. Like, I don't need a side because I'm with the Lord here. And so what he is saying is to, to Balaam, your way was contrary to mine. But the donkey saw me and turned aside from these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now and let her live. So um, that's an interesting thing to hear. This guy was obviously, there was some grace of the Lord that was here, but three different times he's tried to tell, look, told him not to go, told him not to, he's done it, done it now three more times, it's just nonstop, like how much does God have to give in? But Balaam says to the angel, Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the way <coughs> against me. <clears throat> 
Now then, if it is displeasing to you, I will turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Now you go with him, but you speak only the word which I tell you. Now, there's a whole story here that goes further because three different times, Balaam offers three different offerings to try to get God to move for this king. And God says, every time, no, 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 no. He just will not listen for anything. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because he had that Veruca salt moment where he just wanted more. He just felt like, well, this king can give me everything. And he just couldn't say it no. Now, I'll just say that to you because here's why. There's something deeper there when we can't say no. It's because we don't trust God. Like, if we feel like we have to keep going, then it must mean that we don't trust God. At some point, we say, no. God says, no. Okay, no. All right, then I'm going to trust you in this. I don't understand it, but I have no choice but to trust you because you, everything I have, you've given me. When I think that everything I have, I've given me, you see what I'm saying? I, I don't trust God. He did not trust God because I don't think he was a prophet of God. Now, you could look at that and see some other things about him. I just find him to be an interesting character when he is in, the, uh, in Jude. Jude says about him in verse 11. I'll put this on the screen for you so you can see his company that he was with. Um, it's, Jude would say, woe unto these men. And you can go back and read their debauchery and all that junk they were involved with. For they have gone the way. Notice these ways. They have gone through the way of Cain. Cain was the one who murdered Abel. You remember him? First murder in the Bible was Cain. He murdered his brother Abel. And for pay, they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam. So it tells me right there, they, these individuals, they ran after the error of Balaam, this money thing, and then they perished in the rebellion of Korah. He's in the same group with Cain and this Korah. Korah is the one who... They, they weren't satisfied with being the Levites or satisfied with being the ministry that they were given. They wanted what Moses had. Like they were gifted and called by God to do certain things in the ministry. They were part of the tabernacle. They're part of the setting up things and being a part of bringing some of the altars. I mean, the, the offerings to the altar. They, were, they had their part. But God said, well, I wanna, I'll speak directly to Moses. That was his part. They got to the point, he was not satisfied. The whole group was not satisfied. He led a whole group of them. They felt like, well, we can talk to God too. And God said, no, you can't. Because in that time, it was not like it is now. We have such a blessing through the access of Jesus Christ. We, we come through Jesus Christ, through his name, to access relationship with God the Father. What we have is a beautiful thing. It hasn't always been that way. You had to work the way God said do it. And they said, well, we can do it too. Balaam was in the same category of Cain and Korah, and it all cost every one of them in a great way. Because each of them really had a Veruca little salt moment. And every one of them, here's a funny thing, and, and, and I'm going to ask our worship team to come up um, uh, for this. Sorry, that was me on last week. I messed up and I forgot they weren't supposed to come up. This week we are, so <laughs> I told myself, I'm so sorry, guys, I left you hanging on that. But uh, that's on me. But um, so as, I, as they're coming up, let me, let me share this little thing about this each one of them had something that just it bugged them Cain watch this Cain looked over and he saw Abel and he got jealous he got jealous of what Abel's over here and Abel's not this little snotty nosed little you know guy trying to you know get his little way Abel just was worshiping God and bringing an offering to God 
he brought the first of the lambs, if you will. The first, he, he just brought the, the offering there, you know, the first of his, of, of the blessing of there, the, the best of his, what he had. Well, Abel, when you, when you read about Cain, he got jealous. And God actually said to him, if you do what's right, won't you be received also? But he couldn't do it. God tried to intervene, and he kept looking at Abel, and he was jealous at what Abel was doing, what Abel had, and he got offended. And so he couldn't let it go. His jealousy turned into rage. His rage turned into anger and and eventually hatred, and he killed his brother. When you read about Balaam, again, he offered three different offerings on the different mountains this king was trying to get him to do. He went along with it. And three different times God said, no, no, I'm not going to. I am not going to curse. He, every time God would speak through him, though he was a diviner, divination, he would speak a blessing over Israel every time. And it got this king so mad. It frustrated Balaam. It had to. He's like, oh, great. Now I'm not going to get paid. You know, like I can't, I can't make this work. But he wanted that so bad, that money, he couldn't just say no to this king. And Korah, again, you know, like I just told you, couldn't be satisfied with what the ministry God had given him. He wanted what Moses had to. In every single one of these cases, they just looked at what someone else had and what someone else was doing and what other thing could be there and couldn't say no. And they went headlong into the error of their way. All because of something that they couldn't be satisfied with. And that is this thing called contentment. And God gives us all kinds of instructions about this, but I just want to put this on the screen for you so you can see what contentment means and why it's so important. And, and we're going to worship God and have a time here of worship so we can just bring this before the Lord. But this idea of contentment, it says it's the idea of raising a barrier. A barrier could be a wall. Now, why do you put up a wall? You put up a wall. In this case, a barrier is to protect what's on this side. I'm putting up a fence or a wall because you're trying to intrude upon me. So to be content, what contentment does is this. It says to us, by being content, it doesn't mean you can't achieve. It doesn't mean you can't have the blessing of the Lord. It doesn't mean any of that. Don't get the wrong idea on that. It means in the season that you're in, have your goals, have your things that God wants you to do. But watch this. Be satisfied in the season you're also in. Enjoy it. It means to put up a barrier. Watch this. It's the same thing as when I put a barrier up, I renew my mind with God's word. It's saying, don't be conformed, put up a barrier. Don't be conformed to the world that says, you got to be, you got to have, you got to, you got to put up a barrier that says, I don't have to do anything. I can trust in God right here, right now, and be satisfied with all he's given me. Yes, I can have goals, and yes, I have dreams, and yes, I'm going to pursue what God's given me. But in this moment right now, I'm going to enjoy my kids. I'm going to enjoy my spouse. If you're not married, I'm going to enjoy my singleness, and I'm going to work for this and do that. Whatever it is, if, I'm, if you're in school, I'm going to enjoy my college years right now. If you're in high school, I'm going to enjoy my high school years right now. If you're in middle school, I'm going to enjoy my Whatever it is right now, I'm going to enjoy this season. Why? Because the moment you say, well, when I get out of high school, then it'll be different. When I get out of college, then I'm going to make my way. Well, if I get that bonus, then I will, and then I will never happens. It's an unending trap that you never get out of. So God says, be content. So this morning, I want you to close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment.
Paul said this, and you know, Paul, he was a, man, he had everything he wanted in life. He begins to pursue Christ, and it starts costing him in different things. And he says, man, no matter what state I'm in in life, this one thing I've learned is how to be content. I know what it's like to be blessed and have great, and I know what it's like to have less and and be in, in need. But in all these things, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And every single time, Paul would tell us, hey, contentment's not, it doesn't say I'm pulling back and I'm going to be weak and I'll never have anything. That is not what that means. It is a beautiful word that says to put up a barrier that says, don't get trapped into what's coming next. Enjoy what you have right now. So as we pray, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and then we're going to worship here. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. And God, we, we, we come here today to lay down if there's any of that in our lives, what's next? To lay down, man, if I get there, if I do that, then I will. We come here today to lay that down this morning. God, we lay down whatever it is that might be of this world that is trying to conform us today. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to have a a spirit of contentment about us. Lord, to follow you, to have the goals, to have the dreams to do what you're asking us to do, but also just right here today to relax, to enjoy this moment to enjoy this season that we have, to enjoy the people around us, to have fun, to to enjoy our life that you've blessed us with today. And I just pray right now, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that maybe they're struggling today, and they, they're just, their, their faith or their walk with you, they just don't have that right now. Or maybe they're here, maybe they're just struggling in their walk with you, and it's just kind of back and forth, the world's tugging, but you're tugging, and they're just trying to figure out which way to go, and So I just want to pray for them, Lord, and I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you draw them unto yourself. And so while we're in this room with your eyes closed, no one's looking around, they'll lead you in a prayer. If you're here and that's you, you say, hey, Pastor Jody, man, I want you to pray for me today. I need Jesus to be first in my life. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The whole church will pray with you. You won't be alone. We're all going to pray this together right now. So just repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus... I come to you today, and I surrender my will, my life, all of my desires. I ask you, Lord, to save me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? So proud of you. Well, listen, in a moment, we'll tell you what to do with that. But here's what I'd love to do right now. We're going to sing a song of worship. And, and I want you to stand to your feet just for the next few minutes. This is a moment for you. We decided we want to do this at the end to give you a moment with you and the Lord. And we'd love for you to sing out loud, close your eyes, worship. But we'd love for you just to connect with God right here in this moment. Maybe there's something in your life that I didn't cover, but right now you just say, God, I need to give you this. I'm asking you right now in worship. Just have a moment with God as we connect with him. And whatever it is, just to let it go this morning and give it to him on his altar this morning. In Jesus' name, let's all worship together. Thank you, Lord. You know, that's a good teaching about contentment. I believe that when we practice that in our own lives, that's when God will bless us even more, when we learn to be content where we're at. This morning on our way to church, we always stop at McDonald's. We come, Henry and I come and make coffee early. So we were going through the drive-thru, and we always get a hash brown and a biscuit for him. Today he said he wanted french fries. I said, can't have french fries. 
said, I want them. I said, you can't have them today. They don't have them yet. And he said, I don't, I want French fries. And I said, I'll get you a hash brown instead. No, I want French fries. He was not content with a hash brown today. So I tell you, I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to pull up to the drive-thru. I'll roll down the window. You ask the man in there if he has French fries. So we got our bag, and I pulled up a little farther down, and he said, French fries. The guy there goes. I looked back at Henry, didn't say a word. (laughs) So sometimes God tells us no at the time we're in because later on he could have had French fries. And later on, once we're content with where we're at in our circumstance, then God is going to bless you more and more abundantly. And I believe that's true in the area of our finances as well because we always talk about giving here. There's a lot of different ways you can give online. You can give in the offering boxes back here. You can text to give, those kind of things. But I think when we learn to be content with where God has placed us financially, and when we learn to tithe and give back what's rightfully His, that's when He blesses us, when we have contentment in our life over our finance. So I'm encouraged today, if you don't do that, just look at yourself. Are you content in the area of your finances? Our prayer partners are going to come up front now. If you need to have anybody agree with you after church and prayer, these folks will be up here love to pray with you as well. I just want to remind you tonight, 6 o'clock, back here in the auditorium, uh, be here for that meeting. We're going to talk about what uh, the next few months, the next season of Cornerstone is going to be. So I invite you to come here. As always, we're going to send you out with the Lord's blessing out of numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you His peace. God bless you. See you here tonight. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.